This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. Oh, baby, today's guest is going to blow your socks off. Honestly, I loved this conversation so much and learned so much. I truly feel after listening to it that a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Today's guest is Dr. Shafali. If you're not familiar with her already, she is Oprah's super soul BFF. She's written three New York Times bestsellers, including her two landmark books, The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. She's been on every major hitting podcast that you can possibly imagine. And so I am just so honored to have her here talking to our Raw Beauty Talks fam jam, all about parenting, beauty standards, body image, we get into a lot. Dr. Shafali drops something that I think will help you loosen the grip of mom guilt, possibly forever. She talks about how to navigate tricky body image moments with your kids and discusses the best way to ensure your children don't have the same struggle with food and body image that you do. I learned so much in this conversation and I'm also really excited to be joining Dr. Shafali on Wednesday, November 16th in Vancouver, where she will be hosting a conscious parenting workshop. Scott and I are both going to be going. It's in the evening, so book a babysitter, grab a girlfriend, grab your partner, and come join us. Use the code FRIENDSYVR. There's a link down below if you would like tickets to that. It's going to be incredible, but I'll stop talking about it because I think that the woman we want to hear from is Dr. Shafali. Welcome to the Raw Beauty Talks show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to your audience. I wanted to start by just beginning with the basics. You talk a lot about conscious parenting in your kind of books that you're most well known for, The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. What is conscious parenting? Well, it's a totally different way of parenting than the ones, the way you and I were raised in. And the way you and I were raised in was this model where the focus was raising the perfect product, i.e. the child, through the mechanisms of control, fear, shame, and guilt. Conscious parenting debunks that old paradigm and talks about how the parent needs to raise themselves into a higher state of consciousness to then truly meet the essence of the child before them, rather than raising a mini me or a puppet that is of your own fantasy, conscious parenting teaches the parent how to connect to the child before them and truly empower the child to live in their own authentic knowing, rather than impose all the parents' expectations and fantasies 
through control onto the kid. I love it. I have some questions. So when you talk about the way that we were raised as children and kind of being molded into whatever it was that our parents needed us to be in order to feel comfortable and proud of us. I think about, I mean, I feel so lucky in regards to the parents who raised me, but of course, we're all a little bit unconscious and blind to our own conditioning and patterns. So are you talking about things in regards to how we look, the activities that we do, where we go to school, like all of that? Well, all of us were conditioned in childhood and we were programmed to live with a certain set of prescriptions that become our belief systems. And this is just inevitable. However, to awaken into a higher state of consciousness means as an adult to examine all that we inherited in terms of our belief systems and begin to deconstruct them, begin to do the inner work and ask, does this belief system truly reflect me? Or is it something that I've just absorbed because I want to be liked or loved or validated? And we begin to piece apart belief system after belief system in this process of awakening. And the reason we do that is not only to uncage ourselves, but also to not robotically put these belief systems onto our children, which will then encage them to live in a prescribed way and divorce from their own inner knowing. So conscious parenting is very much about deconstructing belief systems and living in a way that is authentic, in a way that is connected to one's own knowing and doing away with a very prescribed, traditional, forced, robotic way of parenting our children and living. And so it takes a lot of courage to be a conscious parent. It takes a lot of truth seeking and uh, a willingness to break away from the paradigms that we grew up in and to be a pattern disruptor. But when you do the work of this conscious parenting, which I teach, you will not only liberate yourself, you will also allow your children to live their most free self. Are there scenarios where these constructs that are put in place, like you should go to college or we want you to get a good job or I mean, just a small thing, like maybe don't wear that outfit. It looks a little wild. Is there ever a time and a place for that where our ideals and the things that have kept us quote unquote safe or belonging in this society and culture where we do want to teach our kids those things? Yes. So of course there is a place that we can be human with our children and pass on something, right? We can't just be mute and, <laughs> and just, you know, lock ourselves in a closet. But the key is to A, be conscious of where is it coming from in our body, in our belief systems? And then how do we communicate that? When we are unconscious, we then just do this thing that in psychology is called blind projection. So for example, if uh, you or I experienced some difficult situation in childhood, maybe we were molested, maybe some guy predated on us in college and we haven't resolved that wound within us, we could then project that need for safety and that fear, that paranoia onto our children in a very indiscriminate way and just not realize that, oh, half of this energy that I'm portraying to my child is not about her real life right now, but it's coming from my past. Mm -hmm. Number two, how do we communicate it? If we haven't yet healed our past, we could still have tremendous anxiety around it 
and then tell our children, you know, you better pay attention everywhere you go and stay away from all men. Well, that is a really dumb message to give because that will increase the paranoia in our children, you see? Oh, so yeah. it's not that we cannot pass on common sense, but it's understanding where our energy around that is coming from in our own lives. Can we create neutrality around it? And then how do we communicate it to our children? Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. In one talk that you did, you said most parents do not accept their children for who they are. Can you talk a little bit about what that means and why that is such an issue? So the reason I always say that many of us parents, despite our well intentions, do not accept our children for who it is they are is because most of us don't even see them for who it is they are. Instead, treat them as a puppet or an object in our fantasies. Our parents often did that with us. They didn't truly attune to who it is we were and allow us to live our liberated, free, authentic lives. No, they contoured us and conditioned us to be the child of their expectations. 
their fantasies. So despite everyone's good intentions, you know, every parent will say they're doing this out of love, out of care and safety for their children. Despite all that, the truth remains that the way we were parented and the way we typically parent our children, we do it out of a blind knee-jerk reaction to creating a child that matches our fantasy versus truly connecting to the child before us. And parents get scared of this approach called conscious parenting because they believe that when you do this, you have zero control. And you know, every parent is terrified of zero control. <laughs> and I often tell parents, this is not about control or no control. This is about a completely different approach where you primarily have the focus of understanding and attuning to the child before you. It's not about do I control my kid or not control my kid, but more about how better can I understand my kid and then create the conditions in the home to best nurture the child before me. I have this image coming to mind as you're speaking of a flower blossoming and the child being this flower that's coming up from the earth and you have no idea if it's going to be pink or purple or if it's going to be wild or a pristine rose you don't know if it's going to attract bees or ladybug like you've got this flower and your job as the parent is to help water it to love on it to try and provide like a good environment i mean we can't fertilize or or pull weeds or whatnot but essentially you're giving them space to bloom as they are while supporting the conditions around them correct but you can't change the fertilizer and tell the rose to become you know a daisy and tell the daisy to become a daffodil or half a sunflower on certain days and then you know a big oak tree on other days we don't get to choose how that flower blossoms but we do get to match what it needs in the fertilizer we provide but it's a match which which means we don't have complete totalitarian control. And we have to live in this beautiful dance in our giving to our children, but also giving in a way that matches what it is they need from us. So some children who may be of a temperament that's very sensitive, those kind of children actually may need a parent who's very relaxed and calm because that child picks up on all the energies around the parent and actually becomes more anxious and the parent doesn't realize. So the parent has to attune to this temperament and change their approach with this child. But the other child is a bull in a china shop and with them, they need a more forceful approach, more boundaries, more clarity, more masculine energy. So then the parent has to attune to that child. That's why I say parenting is a bloody headache. You have to like <laughs> attune to every child. So this is not an easy feat and I don't want to act like, oh, it's so easy to just attune to every child. But this is what is the work of evolving yourself to adapt to the child before you rather than make the child adapt to you, which is what mm. we typically do. When a child has a parent who's not parenting consciously and who isn't aware of their own pitfalls, what are some of the risks of that? Like, what do you see long-term in the adults that where, where children have been parented in an unconscious manner? Well, all of us have been parented in an unconscious manner. And 
all of us will parent to some degree in an unconscious manner. So I don't want to give this illusion of perfection and ease and uh, superiority that we can get there to this destination called consciousness in a quick and fast way. It's really hard. So I want to put that caveat out there. But the long-term effects are like, like our garden variety, you know, anxiety, garden variety, addiction, garden variety, violence, you know, everything we see in every relationship, mm -hmm. we learn and got programmed to live with and live as in childhood. So the task is not to then chastise ourselves or judge ourselves, but to understand the impact of our childhood. And each one of us manifests that impact in a very unique way. And to very curiously, with great uh, scientific inquiry, look at our lives as a pattern and begin to deconstruct the themes, which you can do with a coach or a therapist. It's so important and valuable to do that. I always say we're not living a life, we're living a pattern. And when you begin to realize, oh my goodness, I'm living a pattern, then you begin to create true conscious agency around your life choices. And don't just flow with the flow in a, in a blind, somnolent, zombie-like way, you begin to truly have initiation, governance, and agency in a way that you never had before. Oh, I love that. We're living a pattern versus life. It's so true when I think about the places where I continuously slip and fall and the places where I'm, you know, able to, I don't want to say move forward or climb, but it, it all comes down to the patterns that you're existing in, which start in your core beliefs and your thoughts and all of that. So very cool. I love that. I want to talk about something that a lot of the women who are listening to this show experience. And I know a lot of the moms that I work with are motivated to do work in this area specifically for their children. And that is around body image and self-esteem and the desire to not pass our own struggle with body image and food onto our children. If you are somebody who has had a lifelong struggle with food in your body, uh, maybe an eating disorder or disordered eating, or it's just always felt a bit complicated, there hasn't been ease around it. Maybe you struggle when you're getting dressed in the morning to feel good in what you're putting on, or you look in the mirror and a barrage of negative thoughts come streaming through. And now you are in this space where you've got a daughter or a son who's come into the world and your greatest hope is for them to not carry this same burden. What are your recommendations? Yeah, it's really difficult for us women to detach from the pressures that culture places on us. Every woman in the world, at least in the modern industrialized world, has experienced the barrage of pressure. Even the most exalted woman obviously feels that pressure. And so we would be lying to say that we have had no issues. I mean, I have never met a woman who has zero issues. So the first step is to be honest, to be brave, to acknowledge it, not pretend like it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And then do the work to, and it's a daily battle because we're, we're assaulted by these images of perfection every turn. So then we have to do the work to deconstruct, okay, you know, how can I develop a relationship with myself, with my aging, with my beauty? 
with my body in a way that empowers me. And we have to do the daily work. And then when we have daughters, especially, but also sons, we have to let them know honestly that culture does a number on us. Let's not act immune as if we have no body issues because number one, that is absolutely a lie. Number two, we will then fake and feign an immunity that then leaves our children feeling like, oh, she's great, but I'm feeling all the pressure. So rather than pretend, I tell women to work on themselves, but as they're working on themselves in terms of self-affirmation, self-celebration, self-acceptance, also let their daughters know, especially how this bloody media and social media in particular now has done a number on all of us. I have so much empathy and compassion today for women under the plague of what we have on social media now in terms of comparison than ever before. I see it when I see these fabulous women on with fabulous filters and like fabulous everything, uh, you begin to feel insecure. But I know it's a lie because I, I have lived enough on this earth to know, but our children don't know that. So we need to tell our daughters and our sons, but our daughters especially, that they will face the same barrage of assaults from the media and from comparison, and they will deprecate themselves. And it's okay, this is normal. We all have done it, but they have to also create a positive relationship with their body and accept them for who it is they are. So for example, I remember my daughter was around 12 and she came to me and she may have said something like, oh my goodness, mom, I have all these pimples or acne. And I wanted to lie and say, oh my goodness, you don't, even though she did. And mm -hmm. I wanted to make her feel good and pretend like she didn't have the acne, which she did and say, oh my goodness, you have such amazing skin. But instead, I realized that is her no service because she looks in the mirror, she has acne. So I said to her, yes, so sorry, you have acne right now. And this is your body's way of expressing itself right now. And so it is. Or the other day, you know, when she was young, other day, uh, she said to me, you know, oh, I, I write about this in my books, where she came to me and she said in front of a lot of people, oh, mom, mom, mommy, show them your <laughs> flabby arms. <laughs> and I was like, are you seriously doing this to me? And she began playing with the jiggle under my arms in front of people. And she thought it was so funny. I swear I wanted to lock her up in the closet, right? But again, I did the work and I, I was able to, after I couldn't control her and it was out of the closet, I did the work and I said to myself, why am I getting so upset? She's right. It is jiggly. She's not wrong. She's just saying it like it is. But I don't accept my body as it is, you see? So I don't want anyone else to look at my flaws. And that's a whole bunch of bullshit. So I'm not going to do that. So then I showed everybody and I showed her. And then I stabbed her back by saying, oh, you know, it's so sad for you. You don't have jiggly arms and you can't fly like mommy. You know, I, I, put, her, <laughs> I love put, put, her back, put her back in her place. No, but, you know, it's a daily struggle. And mm. I think honesty, acknowledgement, understanding cultures uh, lie and assault on our senses and our self-esteem and then talking about it. So I talk about it to people, you know, I, I talk about my insecurities, how when I wear high heels and I'm dying in them, I'd rather die than, than look shorter. And I talk about it mm. because we women are all lying to ourselves, acting like we don't feel the pressure, acting like we woke up looking fabulous. 
and uh, that none of us have insecurities when all of us are reeking off them. Mm. And the men look at us like we're crazy. Like, they're like, what are you guys doing to yourselves, right? And they don't know we're wearing Gucci or Payless, but you know, that's it's a whole topic. So when you're in that moment where you are feeling super self-conscious about your height, or is there anything else that you struggle with? Like, I can't imagine looking at you, you're this admired, stunning, acclaimed woman who has literally has it all. It's so hard to imagine you having any insecurities. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. I can find a thing about every part of my body if I wanted to, you know, you feel too curvy. You feel, you know, I am very, very, very curvy. It's like popping out. Everything's popping out of every place (laughs) and it's a lot. And I've had to really develop a positive relationship with my curves. And at times I've not liked them and I wanted to like suck them out of my body, but this is the process. I don't admonish myself for not liking myself because I understand that I've been conditioned to not like myself. It's not my true nature to not like myself. It's not your true nature or our children's true nature to not like themselves. We have been conditioned to not like ourselves. So the moment I don't like myself or I'm critical of myself, I observe it. I acknowledge it. I understand it. I love myself for not liking myself because I understand my inner hatred, my inner critic. And then I do further deconstruction and realize that I have bought into culture's standards of beauty or achievement, whatever it may be. And I need to now do the work to detach and deconstruct that belief system. This is the work. Have you ever felt tempted to, or maybe you even have, to fix the things that you feel insecure about? Like you said, suck out your boobs, or now it's like Botox is available, or lip fillers are so available. I've personally tried Botox and have had a not so great experience, which scared me away from it. But I'm curious, what's that line of allowing yourself to fix the thing, right? To fix the nose, if that's something you're really conscious of, versus becoming conscious of it bringing awareness to where this comes from, forgiving yourself for the feelings that you have around it and just moving forward in this body that you have. So I completely, and I've worked with so many women around this, I don't have a one fits all policy. Oh, you know, I'm an abstinent and I'm, uh, you know, a, a strong abhorrent of any procedure. I think every woman should examine it, acknowledge it, talk about it, and then come to terms with whatever choice she makes. Mm. The mistake we make is to robotically blindly fall for the illusion that that is going to make us feel better. That is not gonna make us feel better. It'll just make us feel better momentarily. I've had to do work after my C-section and I had this terrible flappy stomach that I had to redo the whole thing. Mm. And I went through years, 10 years, I suffered with the the inconvenience of that. And I struggled because I didn't want to do something about it, but then I was unhappy about it and it hurt me. And so I went through too much self-plague because of my own standards. And that was ridiculous too. If you have a nose and you don't like the nose, you have to first understand that you've been conditioned to not like it because it it doesn't fit some standard of beauty. Then if you fix the nose, it's not going to fix the inner world, but also go fix the nose. You know, it's not, don't make it a a 10 year plague. So 
I think the, the key here, what we're talking about, is bringing things to the light of conscious awareness, discussing it, talk to a therapist, talk to a coach, and don't think it's going to fix anything on a permanent basis. It's not going to change how you feel. You still have to do that work. But within measure, and there is a line, you know, I think there is a line between temporarily altering your body or even sometimes doing some surgery versus becoming addicted to surgerizing and chopping your body up so you look like somebody completely different. There's a huge difference between that. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that and opening up about it. I just have so many light bulbs going off right now as I listen to it and completely resonate and love that you're leaving the door open for people to make a decision that feels right for them, but to ask the big questions and to explore where it's coming from. So super pivotal. I would love to talk about another really practical example, like the one you just gave between a mother and a daughter. So we grow up in this, or we're existing in this super fat phobic world where weight gain is stigmatized, where there's just in general, a fear around gaining weight and being ostracized. So if you were to have a child that is born with a different body type than you, or who loves food and Well, I'll give you an example right now. I'm not specifically talking about my daughter in this moment, but the other night I was putting her to bed and I said something like, oh, I just love you. And she said, even though I have a fat tummy and she's five, we don't have any of this talk in our home. I was like floored. I think my stomach shot up into my throat. I felt like I wanted to throw up. So she says, even though I have a fat tummy. And I said, of course, no matter what your body looks like, mommy loves you. Where did you hear that you have a fat tummy? said, my ballet teacher told me to suck it in. And I'm going, oh my God, here we go. She's in like a toddler ballet class. How is this part of the dialogue already? And I'm sure her teacher was, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it was challenging. And so I said, you know, honestly, if your tummy is round or whatever it looks like, mommy will always love you. And that's just not the most important thing about you at all. How do you navigate that differently? Like, what would you say? Right. Well, I think you said it beautifully, but I just want us to understand when I sent my kid to ballet, I knew that this is the culture, skinny, you know, dainty looking body types are the prototype. And my daughter is not that prototype. So I knew already I will be set. I should send her to hip hop or I should send her to just, you know, whatever free play. So you have to be aware, you know, why did you send her to ballet? It is a cultural institution where a very particular stereotype is engendered. And of course, her teacher is going to say, suck it up, because that teacher was raised that way. She was conditioned and it's all a bunch of bullshit. And now your daughter has some phobia around it. Well, this is what you get. And I'm not putting ballet down. Another institution will have another set of rules. But this one in particular, we know it's notoriously known for its emphasis, uh, like gymnastics, you know, anywhere where the body is shown in in its uh, most naked way as possible. These are the things the girls get, you know, I mean, it's just so sad. And uh, we, we as parents have to protect our children. And break the norm and say, you know, F ballet then, you know, because F ballet is where we're at over here. (laughs) Yeah, it's if her body esteem and her body relationship is more important or 
go and educate the ballet teacher or interview the next ballet teacher and go, hey, well, how do you guys deal with positive body image? And what is your focus? Is your focus a healthy relationship with the body or that she should fit a prototype? Yes. Uh, but you know, the answer, you know the answer to that already. But I love that you did not tell her, oh, no, 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 you don't have a fat tummy. I love that you didn't say that, but instead you said, I love you just the way you have you are, mm. and it doesn't matter what kind of tummy you have, and that is the correct answer. Mm. There's actually I want to do a shout out to Pink Petals Ballet in Vancouver because there is this phenomenal teacher who's doing body inclusive ballet classes where they can wear whatever they want. They incorporate yoga into it. They say gratitudes for their body as they're dancing, and I think that there's room so for that. Uh, yeah, I'm loving I'm loving that. The thing that's being the most challenging for me, I would say, since becoming a mom is the mom guilt that I feel with almost every decision that I make, especially when they were younger. It was like, how long am I breastfeeding for? Am I doing cloth diapers or regular diapers? Uh, is it okay if I go away? Feeling so much guilt going away on a trip, but also knowing that like it's good for them to see their parents happy. This constant back and forth questioning and I'm curious if you have any suggestions or recommendations for that, you know, as you become more conscious of this narrative that's running in your mind, questioning everything that you're doing and wondering, am I enough? Where do you go from there? Yeah, you know, I did also experience a lot of mom guilt and I work with so many parents who do. And part of this comes from an illusion of perfectionism, as if there is a better way. What I mean by that is the choice of cloth or plastic or whatever, rocks and stones or diamonds is not where we need to put our energy. Send them to this school or that school, send them to ballet or trombone. That's not what is going to make or break them. So once I realize that, then I let go of the content-based guilt and anguish I was experiencing. And I realized that the only thing I really need to focus on is how present I am, how loving I am to myself, how accepting I am in the present moment of my reality, because that is what gets absorbed in the cells of my child's body and psyche. And that is what creates her own connectivity to her present moment and her state of worthiness, her resilience. This is the meta level of parenting that most of us miss. It doesn't matter what the external is. The internal relationship you have to yourself would then foster the relationship you have with the child. And that is what we need to focus on. Mm. If you could give everyone sort of a few tips right now to improve the quality of their relationship with their children, what would be your top tips? So in order to improve the quality of our relationship with our children, it all boils down to our state of presence. Are we present in the present moment to ourselves and to them? Which means we put our phones away, we're not working, we're not taking calls, we're truly here right now. That is the number one goal to have if you want a connected relationship with anybody including yourself, right? We have to be present. And then the second thing is to not focus on the behavior or the words that the person is saying or doing, but try to understand what they are trying to say beneath those words or behaviors, mm -hmm. especially with children. 
with children, there's always an underlying need that they need us to understand without focusing and getting distracted on the behavior and the words. Because yes. children are, may not be sophisticated. They may use the wrong word. They may be reacting. So we need to understand what are they expressing underneath the words. And the, the third most important thing has to do with your own level of self-acceptance. Because the more you accept yourself, the more you will accept your children. And the more critical you are of yourself, the more negative and critical you will be toward your children, which will create an immediate disconnect. Mm. Oh, I love all of those. If anybody needs help accepting themselves or deepening into this work, I've got you. I'm going to link to all of your books. I am so excited because Scott and I have booked into our calendar next week on Wednesday in Vancouver. It's November 16th, I believe. We're going to be joining Dr. Shafali downtown at a workshop that she's hosting called The Conscious Parent. And we're so excited for this. It's two hours from 7 till 9 p.m. PST. We're both going. We're going to do dinner beforehand. We're going to go listen to the talk. And then I'm sure we'll have so much to debrief on afterwards. Yes. So if you're in Vancouver or in the neighboring areas, come to the talk. Whether you're a parent or you've had a parent in your life, come and understand how your childhood affects your current life and get enlightened to better ways that you can connect with yourself, your children, your partner. And it's going to be a fabulous talk. I'm so excited that you're going to share this with your audience. There is a $25 coupon code and the code is FRIENDSYVR. So I will give that to you, Erin, and you can pass it on. So hopefully people will come and many, many couples are coming together. Uh, you can bring a friend, a sister, a mother, and uh, you get a better rate if you come with two. And it's going to be a really deep dive into tools and strategies to become more conscious in your life and better connect with yourself, your partner, and your children. Oh, I cannot wait. I think this is such a great one as well. If your partner's not available to go with a girlfriend or to take a parent with and one by one, the work starts with each of us, right? It always comes back to each of us. So this is such a beautiful offering. We can't wait to welcome you to Vancouver and to see you then. I know you're in Greece right now. So have a safe flight back. And thank you so much for joining us on the Robbie Detox podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening, everyone. Okay, switching into Coach Aaron here. If you've ever worked with me, you know at the end of every session, we always finish off by identifying some aha moments, some key takeaways that you're going to carry with you, and then by locking in some action steps. I think this is so important whenever we're doing this work, whether you're reading a book or working with a coach or a therapist or listening to a podcast, to really think about, okay, how can I start to integrate these lessons that I've learned and these insights that I've gathered. I know for me, listening to Dr. Shafali and being in conversation with her, I had so many aha moments. And this doesn't necessarily mean it's things that I've never heard before, but they just really resonated or they stood out to me as something that I want to take away. So a couple of those for me looked like this, first of all, this idea of conscious parenting. And to me, what I heard in what the message that she was relaying is that conscious parenting is really about waking up to our own conditioning and programming, understanding our anxieties and our fears, our traumas, the things that cause us to go into fight, flight, or freeze, so that we don't pass them on to the next generation. 
It looks like letting go of the ideas and expectations and this fairy tale vision that we hold for our children and instead giving them the space to blossom into their own true nature, whatever that is, even if it's entirely different than what we imagined for them. I loved that Dr. Shafali noted that we're all going to fall asleep at the wheel sometimes as parents and we're going to become unconscious. We're not striving for perfection here, but we just want to keep continuously asking the questions, turning inward, peeling back the layers to understand why we are the way that we are so that we can give our children permission to show up exactly as they are. I also found it so damn refreshing to hear that even someone like Dr. Shafali, who's so spiritually wise and uh, also comes from a background of both Western and Eastern psychology, that she still struggles with body image and her self-esteem from time to time. She even spent almost 10 years trying to decide if she could live with her stomach the way that it looked after having kids. And I really appreciated her sharing that ultimately she made the choice to get it fixed in addition to doing a lot of inner work. Like I feel like so often we're hearing from celebrities or people in the spotlight and they're they're saying that they've never had work done or they're hiding the fact that they have struggled with parts of their body. And for me, it's just like it just feels so good when somebody can stand in their truth and honor the decision that they've made. There's no sort of false curtain up. And so I am just so grateful for Dr. Shafali for sharing that. I don't think she shared that on any other show before. So you heard it here first. And I hope that it just reminds you that whether you decide to live with that part of yourself that maybe, you know, isn't always your favorite or you decide to change it, that it's all okay. You know, do you do what is best for you? But I think the key takeaway here is that these physical changes, they might feel good for a moment, but it's the deeper work that's really going to create the lasting change. So the deeper work can look like therapy or journaling, tuning into podcasts like this, Signing up for some coaching in this area, I promise you though, when you go deep, it is always so worth it. Without a doubt, the number one takeaway that I took was that we have to start by doing the work ourselves. So if we are struggling with body image, if we are struggling in our relationship with food, it's going to be really hard to teach our children uh, to be okay with it. And ultimately, the message I heard is that We are struggling with these things in some way, shape, or form, and for some it's more so of a struggle than others, but that we can relay that truth to our children. You know, as the one and only Gandhi says, be the freaking change. Actually, I don't think he put it that way. He said, be the change that you want to see in the world. So how can we expect our kids to be able to navigate all of this if we don't have the tools to do so ourselves? The second thing she said in regards to this conversation is to have age-appropriate conversations with your own kids about media and the impact that media has on the way that we see ourselves and others. I haven't talked a lot about it, but late in the fall last year, 
I acquired a program called Free to Be Talks, which is a media literacy and positive body image program for youth in grades six to nine. We're going to start rolling this out in schools across North America in the coming year. And I am so excited for it because it will start these conversations in school and also inform parents around how to have conversations with their own children. So stay tuned. You can follow us on Instagram at free to be talks. The third piece is to be real with your kids and to acknowledge their feelings and insights around their own body image and comparison, their relationship with food, but continue to remind them that no matter what they look like or, you know, what feelings they're having or what interests them, that they are so loved. Okay, those are a few of my aha moments from this episode. Let's talk action steps. So for me, I want to just take a moment to think about some of the messages that have been programmed into me. I mean, one of the easiest ways to figure this out is to think about things that your kids do or say that really light you up, that activate you, that trigger you. Usually that is an immediate arrow to an area where there's some programming or where there's um, perhaps some beliefs that you could explore a little bit more deeply, either with yourself or a coach or a therapist, whatever feels right for you. Some things that I hear frequently in my work with clients, um, if anybody's part of the Clean Plate Club, this idea that you have to finish everything on your plate every night. That is a belief that has been passed down generationally that... uh, has served us at a time, but actually can start to backfire a bit uh, as we continue to figure out our own relationship with food. I could do a whole episode on that topic. Let me know if you want that. This idea that is so deeply ingrained in our culture that weight gain is bad and that weight loss is good. Again, could be a whole nother conversation. Um, Maybe this idea that you have to be a certain weight in order to date or in order to be liked or in order to be stylish, whatever it is. I mean, all of these are just examples of some of the programming that we receive that can drive fear and anxiety and feelings of not being worthy. So an action step could be just to take a moment to explore some of those areas where you know there's been some programming that has caused you a struggle and then to consider how can I continue to work on this so that I have a better relationship with this area of my life. And another takeaway would be to have a conversation with your, with your kids, with your children, with your partner, with your friends about the reality of media and the messages that we receive. The last thing I want to say is if you do have um, from time to time a struggle with your body image or the way that you look, I want you to remember what Dr. Shafali said. She said, I would never admonish myself for my insecurities because I recognize that these insecurities have been programmed within me. My innate nature is to love myself and to be kind to myself. So in this world that is preaching body positivity and loving yourself, if you're not there right now, which I don't think many of us are 100% of the time, in fact, I would say that nobody's there 100% of the time, that that's okay. It's not your fault. It's the way that we've been raised, the society that we swim in, all of these things coming into play. So let yourself off the hook and just remember that you are enough, 
You are so worthy of tapping back into that innate sense of love that you truly were born with for yourself and others and that it absolutely is possible to feel more of that as you do the work. Okay, there's my ahas and my action steps. Let me know what you're doing. Pop into my DMs. Take a screenshot of this episode. Share it with your friends and family, your fellow mamas. Let's spread the word and keep doing this work together. So much love to you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.